Shalom Racha, welcome everyone. Bez Hashem continues in Kufnun Aleph Sif Vav, Shin number 343, 343. Once again, Kufnun Aleph Sif Vav, Hilchas Basic Nessus says the Mechaber. Different types of pockets or uh, pocket books, or men don't have what we call pocket books, but like. Uh, Depends on the man. Depends on the man, okay. Yeah. The pa- different types of packages. You allowed to come in with different types of kisim. Tagum of a yalkut, a yalkut. Yalkut also, of a tamile, is also different types of packets. So we're on the next page where he says, Viesh oisrim likonis boy, besakin oroich, oibereish megula. Then there are those that forbid to come into a shul. With a sakin oreich, a long knife, or a person's head without a covering on his head. In other words, not wearing a yarmulke or head covering, hat. That would be usher. So it would be usher to come into the shul with a knife exposed. Doesn't say the size of a knife. Long knife. Okay, it doesn't have to say how long. Say how long? But like. not, that means like not like a regular knife. I don't know what a regular knife is. You like to cut food with. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, pocket knife, if you size, well, I'm not talking about pocket knife. We're talking pocket knife. Yeah. So we have a situation like this. We don't have a definition of how many inches a knife is. We don't have any inches, right? I I saw actually last week. I pulled. I have actually I have a pocket knife, a little tiny pocket knife. But you know what? It cuts what you need to cut. So I actually pulled it out to show somebody outside of the shul. Okay, nothing to do with this halacha. So the person says to me, he tells tells, tells the person behind him to turn around. And for whatever reason, I don't know why that person has in a case a knife must have been the blade must be around eight inches long. So someone else says to him, "Do you have a license for that?" He says, "No, you don't need a license. Now it's in the case." I, I don't know what he needs it for, okay? I don't know what he needs it for. Halachically, we're going to see... I mean, I would think eight inches is pretty long of a knife. It could be It could be they're talking about the size of a machete. I mean, that's 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 really long, you know? In those days, it was very common, right, by the fields to do what? To chop down the, the, the grass and the wheat and all those different things. So you deal with knives more often, you know what I'm saying? But Lamaisa, at the end of the day... Or the person's head uncovered. Let's take a look over here in the Mishnah Sivkad Nuchav Beis. The Visha Basic Nessus Shuhu Miyuchel Tfilo Mareches Yom of Shaladim. What is a basic Nessus? Let's understand. A shul, a basic Nessus, is Mareches is Mareches Yom of Shaladim. It lengthens the life of a person. The knife, by definition, it's the opposite. The knife shortens the, the life of a person. So the al explains, when we say don't go into a shul with a knife, it means an exposed knife. Okay? Then we go to a different topic, which is interesting that the two are in the same place here. An exposed knife, and the person coming to shul with his head uncovered. Yeah, I, I would, I would, uh, I would I'd find that interesting. Can we extend that? 
Says the Mishwe Sifkan Chav Gimel, Ayin Le'el with Simon Sadi Al Sifkan and Gimel, Sif Gimel, Be'ar Lachad, Yermaschel, V'yesh Aymen. He's discussing over there in regards to that nowadays the Taz says it is forbidden for a person to be without a head covering at any time. At any time. A person has to always have a head covering. Okay. Now, let's first take a look at the Be'ar Lachad where he says, V'sakin Aruch, with a long knife. Mustabra says the Be'alach, Mustabra, She'ein lahachmir v'zeh, Ela ba'anashim da'almish asurum le'echol v'beis ha'medrish. So he's actually talking, he says here, that who should this be asked for? By people who are not permitted to eat in the base medrish. So it sounds like he's actually talking like maybe, I don't want to say a kitchen knife, I would say more like a steak knife. Because the, the, at least the knives I have in my drawers, the one they sell with the forks and the spoons, those are like butter knives. Like like my, my plastic knives at home cut cut better than those knives that they come in. You know what I'm talking about? Mm. You know, those knives don't do too much. So, you know, like the, the, the pencil you have could be sharper than those knives, you know. But let's talk like like a, a real knife that you cut with. You cut vegetables with and you cut, you know, meat with, right? So that's what he's saying over here. He's saying, So now he's discussing why would a person bring a knife into a base medrash? Well, because if that person needs to eat something, so he shouldn't be mevatel is learning, so that person is permitted to bring a knife into the shul. But, but the person who is not permitted to come eat in the base medish, he's bringing a knife for no reason. Right? So now we're clarifying a little. The knife that the Tamil Chacham comes to eat in the base measure with its first purpose. So he's not Mavatal Tayro. So he's allowed to bring the knife in there. Mistabi de Mutu Kumai Bukhalachila. In other words, how are you gonna eat the food without the knife? Right? When should he cover it? He has to make sure it's covered when he's finished with it. Once he's finished with it, then he doesn't need it anymore. Just like before benching is brought down, he should cover the knife. It's not halachal maisa that you mechuyiv to, but we'll see. Mitzvah Shem will get to Hilchas benching Berchas Hamazon that there was a person who was saying He was benching, and he was so distraught. Now look at this today. Shiva Sabatamus. He was so distraught of the, over the korban, over the destruction of the base of Midrash, He actually killed himself. So the knife has to be covered. That's that's why Meikar Adin. By benching, even though it was manas, they were not as uh, on that madrega, unfortunately. So the, to be more strict about that. Now he says a reish megula. The be'alacha says further. Even if they were walking like this in front of other people, goyim, it, it's kalus reish to walk like this in front of Hashem without a head covering. It's as if a person is saying, "I have no fear of Hashem." And he brings from the Levush here that when a person has a hat, a head covering, he's showing he has a respect, a fear, an awe of Hashem. Now, I want to I wanna take this, this opportunity to just share with you that it is very important to exercise. I, I encourage it, and I try to do so myself, if not getting too busy sometimes. But if you're jogging around town or jogging on your treadmill or, or doing exercise, you wear a head covering. There's, there's nothing to talk about. There is nothing to talk. You want to go swimming? Okay, you know, it, it, to wear a head covering in the swimming is, is those are the machmir. You don't have to wear a head covering unless the pool tells you to put on the, those bathing caps because they don't want the hair in there. Okay, that's their issue. 
But regular exercise, whatever yeah, you're doing. Okay, mikvah also. You take it off, right? Because you go in the water. That's right. 100%. However, when you're jogging and, and doing any other exercise, you have to have your head covered. Obviously, if it falls off, it falls off. You pick it back up, you're playing ball. But you know what? If you know your yarmulke is the size that when you're running around, it's going to fall off. So there's a very simple solution. You get a large yarmulke for playing sports. Or you put some clips on if you're playing sports. You tell me, beg Isha, whatever. Deal with it. Put on the cap. But to do things without a head covering, we, we, we know, we're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to do that. Simple as that. Question. In fact, in the Dirshu note, he brings the Shibib Zman, he brings from the Taz. From the letter of the law, it is 100% forbidden to walk around Fine. Now, in regards to weapons, guns, and the like, now, if you're a soldier in Eretz Israel and you cannot go into the shul without your weapon, you know, leave the gun outside and someone's going to take it, that, that you don't do, okay? There are places that say that the bullets should not be in the gun. Okay, the bullets should not be in the chamber. Right? In other words, you have the soldiers, which which many times you see that the soldiers come in, you know, to Davin, and actually the cartridges are on the side. Right? You know what I'm referring to? Right? The magazine, right. Magazine. The magazines, don't read them, right? The magazines are on the side. There's a clip next to it. Okay, that's, that's my recollection when you see a soldier coming into Davin, right? So that, the person say, is, 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 is like understandable. You know, that's permissible, according to some place. Other place, he says here in the Dershu note, <coughs> he brings number 15 by me, Lulian HaKnosis Kli Neshek, Lubesek Neses, bring a gun into a shul, says the shul is Orl Tzir, and I've been seeing Abba Shol, live in Hanof. He says, really, it's forbidden to bring the gun into shul unless you can't leave it outside. That's how the Ben learns. If you cover it, if you cover the gun, that no one sees it, then it's permissible. Then it's permissible. You could go into the shul with a gun concealed. I was actually walking a few months ago, maybe a year ago, about to go daven. Someone in front of me was walking also to go daven, and his shirt popped up, the back of his shirt. And I saw his gun. <laughs> so I whispered to him, I said, you know, I said, you know, your shirt, your shirt came up. So, oh, thanks for telling me, because there's something there's legally the law about having concealed weapon. Yeah, you, get, you don't walk around with an exposed weapon, right? Different laws, different places, right? We're not in you know wild west over here. So he says to me, you know what? Uh, thank you for telling me I should be covered, but it's not a bad idea for them to see we have one also. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was his take on the case. Okay. Bottom line is, halachically speaking, if you're going into the shul, you have to make sure that your armed weapon is covered. Okay? Fine. We move on to Sif Zayin. On top of the page, Mechavir says, Yochel Lorik Boy, Ubavan Shi Yishav Shenub Raglov. Yeshom Gemi, Shim Yorik Lusoychai, Loyen Nire. So he says, You are permitted to 
you are permitted to spit in the shoe. Now, let's explain this for a second. In those days, they didn't have tissues like we have today. So they didn't have. They had handkerchiefs, okay, but they didn't have tissues as exposable and available like we have. And a person has phlegm, what's he supposed to do with it? You don't put it in your hand, right? So we're saying you're permitted to remove the phlegm from your mouth. Just as long as you cover it with your foot. In other words, the earth was the ground. The dirt was was the ground. It wasn't a carpet. It wasn't tiled. That was many times. You had, you had earth. So then you would rub it in the earth, in the ground, so it would be, wouldn't be be um, exposed to other people and become disgusted by it. Or there's a type of uh, grass stuff over there. You spit into that, it also won't be visible. So we learn in Simon Tzad Zayin Sebeis that a person cannot spit during Shemana Esrei. Now the Gemara Chagig Dafei, and with Beis towards the bottom says you should be careful not to spit in front of your friend that he gets disgusted by it, which in general means do not do any act that will make your friend disgusted. Whatever it might be, whatever whatever we have to discuss. I mean, not now, but that in order in order to fulfill this. This Gemara properly, this Gemara Chagiga properly, we have to do things, make sure that it doesn't make our friend disgusted. Here is an example of one of them. doesn't mean other things are permissible. If I may say, you know, uh, this is a discussion that can be actually spoken about the whole year round, and it seems like we actually do here. <laughs> so I will. And that is, it's now the summertime, and there are certain allergies that are aroused with the pollen, which uh, which causes people to sneeze more and to use the tissues more. We can't put the tissues on the table. We can't use put dirty tissues on tables. It's that's not appropriate. It's not derecheretz. Spreading germs and 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 just like push a lack of derecheretz. And I've said in the past. I remember I, I've seen somebody. I saw somebody when he would finish his davening, close his sitter, and I when they say something that sounds a little disgusting, not to give us the use about it, but to Mechazik, if anybody might think that this is appropriate behavior, we don't do this. The person then peeled off the tissues that were stuck onto his sitter. Because he puts them under, he put them on, people think he put the sitter, the dirty tissue under the sitter, and afterwards, oh, you take them off. That's how, that's disgusting. That's disgusting. <laughs> we don't do that. Okay, that's that's all the Gemara Chagiga Dafei. Lil Moid, Amnas Lasseis, we learn to do. So make sure we don't do things that are disgusting to people. was careful not to spit in shul. Then he says, On Shabbos you can't rub it back and forth because you can make a ditch, make a hole in the ground, in the dirt. So therefore, if a person in those days, in this generation we just use a tissue. In those days, what they should do is they should put their foot onto that uh, phlegm until it gets like absorbed. Okay, gemi mm-hmm. v'chol, any type of straw or sand that would cover it up, you should spit into that and cover it up as well. Sif tesim says mechaber noigin b'hem kavod l'chabdo nolarapson beirish kibut nikoy abayis ributz zirkasam ayim al karka. So in those days, once again, they had earthen grounds, floors, and he says you should. The word covered means honor. Covered also means to sweep. 
And if you think about it, it's a beautiful explanation where you have the word itself meaning of what you're accomplishing. When you sweep a room, you're showing COVID to the room, right? You appreciate that, right? You sweep the room, and you, what do you do? You clean it up. So you're showing COVID to that room now. So COVID means to sweep. So you should sweep the shul. It's nikkebay, is cleaning the room. And reboots is when you they would sprinkle drops of water on the on the earth, on the ground. Why? So this way, it wouldn't the dust wouldn't come up when the, when the people are walking around. So he says to do that also. Now, once again, don't go into your shul, learn the Shulchan Aruch, and start sprinkling drops of water in your shul that you're daven in. Okay? When, when, when you get a tap on the shoulder to stop, you'll say, well, I, I just learned the Shulchan Aruch. No, no, no. That was in those days when they had dirt floors. Now we have carpet, we have tiles once again, so we don't do this. We can still sweep the floor, though. Okay? You can still sweep the floor. I want to tell you something else. A few weeks ago, I went to go daven. I, c- I come into the shul, smack in the middle by the by the bima. There's a pile of swept up dirt, and and the person, the chazan is about to start ashray. And I'm, I I just I paused. I I was I couldn't believe it. People are ready to daven, and there's a pile of dirt. That the custodian, who somebody was sweeping, he just forgot. You know, sometimes you still make a pile and then you come back for it because you make another pile, right? You can't daven like that. This is Hashem's house. You wouldn't sit down to eat supper with a pile of dirt by your table, right? Yeah, we have to take care of this. This is Hashem's house. This is this is called the kedushas basic nessus. Says the mechaber, the mishru rather in Siv Cotton. Where are we here? We are in Chavdalit. Chavzayin. thank you. He says here, So we didn't see the Mechaber, actually. Okay, fine. I, I don't want to skip around here. You have a minute, just like you see the Gemara for Rashi, we see the Mechaber for Mishnurah. <laughs> okay. We saw that. We did see that. Okay. Oh, we didn't see the next part. The meaning is, or was, to light candles in order to show covet and honor to the basic Nessus. Now, Nowadays, you don't find that in many shuls. You don't find that, as if you look around over here, right now, we're in the basic Nessus, basic Medrash. You don't see any candles. The main reason is because we have fabulous lighting, LED light bulbs above our head. It's great lighting. And that is covered to the basic Nessus to give proper lighting to the shul. So now you can see in the safer better. Right? That, that is covered, right? Some shuls, what they'll do, Shtibloch, or, or different types of Minhagim, they'll have by the by the chazan to have some f- like candles to light. Okay, different men hugging. Meshum the Amrin begemari says walking shem spalim by Yabasara kod moshchin of Asia in the place where they're they daven with ten people the shchina comes and greets them. Vohi the shekein ha yewaisim and mikdash would also light in the mikdash as well. Says mecharis if you're afilu laachesh echarvu adayin heim bigdushoson. Now this is a very important halacha. Which last week we discussed, Reb Tzemach put on the screen the picture of the Chorvashul. Right? Chorvashul, in the, right above uh, the Kaisel. You know what I'm talking about, right? So, the halacha says Mechaber that even after the Mokom, the Shul, was destroyed, 
it still remains its Kedusha. The Kedusha still remains there. Therefore, what does that have to do with us? The same way you have to give COVID to the shul when it's in existence, so do you have to give COVID to the shul when it's destroyed. That Mokum itself has this Kedusha. Except where you don't have to do Kibbut Veributs. You don't have to sweep the floor there and you don't have to sprinkle the water in those days. Now listen to this. And we're going to discuss the Kaisal in a second, in a few minutes. Let's say you have sometimes in a ruined area, you see some grass starts growing up in, those, in the cracks in between the bricks. Just like you have in the sidewalks, right? It says over here, you, you, you rip it out, but you put it back and leave it there. You know why? Because it should create an agmas nefesh, a pain for a person to say, oh, we used to have a shul. We used to have a shul here. And they should be aroused to rebuild it. You hear that? It's interesting. Because you might think, okay, you know, it's destroyed, but let me clean it up, right? Let's take a look at the Mishnah, then we'll discuss the Kaisal. It still has the Kedusha and Mamish, like, it, it's your Zion with time was the beginning of the three weeks now. How timely this Allah is. And I destroyed your Mikdashem, your holy places of, of, of davening and learning. Like Siv Vas Mikdashem Ashim. It doesn't say I will destroy. Even though they're Shaymaimin, even though they're destroyed. And I destroyed him with the Sheikh. That this Kedusha, even after it's destroyed. He says, it doesn't make a difference if we're in Eretz Yisrael or outside of Israel. If there was a shul that was destroyed, think of all those in Europe, think of all those Batikness, Batimidrashas, that, that the Nazis in Machshimam came and destroyed, or, or over the centuries. Of all the persecutions that we've been dealing with, all those mekaymas that were mekaymas of kedushim. In fact, I'm reminding myself now of a video that I saw of a friend of ours here in town who took a trip to one of those places, one of those shuls back in Europe. And, ready for this now? A son and grandson of a survivor who used to daven in that shul when it was built. They davened in that same place after it was destroyed. Unbelievable. Then we just learned here that the Kedusha remains. And there was part of the walls was still around. Part. And Ayit survived, and his son and grandson davened in that mock. 
So unless in Chutzlois he made it with the Tanai, that it doesn't have Kedusha, then if it's destroyed, it doesn't have Kedusha. Toshim Oisam, Ritzolayim, Hashem, Mutalit, Loisha, Yisam, you're allowed to take off the grass that grows. Just as long as you rip it out and put it back there. The symbolism is that is that it should bother you that it doesn't look right. And therefore you should want to be, rebuild it. And say, this is not appropriate. We have to get the money together, we have to get our act together and rebuild that shul. That was destroyed. If, they just, if, a, if a shul was destroyed in one place and they rebuild it in a different location, so explains the Mishnah Brura, let's say in location A there was a shul that was destroyed. The fire burned it down, whatever it might have been. And they rebuilt it in location B. And there's no intention to rebuild location A anymore. Why? Because they rebuilt it already in location B. So then this halacha doesn't apply. Not that it doesn't have anything saying, but in regards to ripping off the grass and putting it back there. Okay. That's what we're saying here. That's, that, that's what we're saying. That, that there's no need to, to create that yearning to rebuild it when you did rebuild it already in a different location. What should you do to the first shul in location A? He says, Make a fence around it, not to cheapen it and show it with lack of respect. If it's in a situation where you can sell it, like will be discussed in the two simon from now, then you can sell it. Right? Kleisel needs money. You have no more responsibility for it. Right. Once you, once you sold it, you sold it. Right. Correct. Yeah, no okay. So the Paiskim discuss what's the status of the wall of, of the Kaisal. Hmm. If you take a look at the Kaisal, Make it look nicer. Should they have a power wash? You know, if you take power wash to the bricks, you really shine them up. You, know, you do it to your house, you know, you know, on the walls. They did it downstairs uh, last year, I think it was. It, it really makes it look beautiful. Rabbi, say, what do you say? Should you remove those branches from the walls of the Kaisal? Should you power wash the Kaisal down? I've never heard that has been power washed. You ever hear it's been power washed? Never heard it's been power washed. And, and and the answer is no. Everyone's shaking their head no. You got it to you. Okay. Why? What's the reason? The same reason. Well, we want it to be in uh, the memory of the fact that Agmas Nefesh, it should pain us that it's not in the proper way. And therefore we should do what? Daven to Hashem to rebuild it. We should have this Agmas Nefesh. We should have this pain. I mean, if you think about it, you go into the, you know, without telling us these halachas, we'll go to the Kaisal, we'll see certain stones, and they'll be chipped and this and that. If you think about it, really, you know, if, if you have a chipped corner of a stone in your house, you call a masonry guy person, he comes down and he fixes it up. So why don't we take care of the stones of the Kaisal? He says, no, the total opposite. Because we want it to pain us, so we should dive more to Hashem. So I want to connect this halacha to a different halacha. There's a mitzvah of bikr chaylim. Everyone should be healthy always, but if you have to make the mitzvah of bikr chaylim, you, you go and you see that the person is sick. And when you see the person is sick, it arouses the mevakia, the one visiting him, 
to daven with a greater level of tefillah, a greater level of intensity. Because he sees, he sees what's going on over here. It's the same concept over here. We have to daven stronger for the rebuilding of the base of Middash. That's why we don't fix the bricks or, or take out the, the branches and the grass, those things growing through the cracks. It should pain us. There are others that say that it's not 100% clear. It could be the Kaisal Maravi. It's not the wall of the base of Middash. It's the wall surrounding the base of Middash, right? That's how the place can discuss it. That being the case, it doesn't have the same din as these halachas that we're talking about. But nonetheless, that's the, that's the minute we're naig with it. Let's see another halacha here, Sifir Aleph. Mechabi says on the top of the page, In Bishaz bin in Beis Yes. If at the time when you build the Beis HaMikdash, Hisnu Olav, Lishtamish Boy, you made a tnai, a condition, to use it. Then you can use it means in its dis- if, if it got destroyed. But when it was still functioning, a tenai will not help. The condition will not help. And even when it was destroyed, so even when it comes to a a uh, when it was destroyed, if a shul was destroyed, you cannot use it for tashmish maguna for a disgraceful. It can't turn into a barn, you know. Uh, you know, for the animals, for example. He says he has ria for planting things. Or interesting, he says it calls another tashmish maguna cheshboynes shal rabim. I don't I don't understand clearly why that's called a tashmish maguna a. Uh, when you're making a place for calculations for people to do things, you know, meetings for things, I don't, I'm not clear exactly why that's called Tashan Raguna. Nonetheless, a Tanaya condition will not help with that. That's only in the shuls outside of Eretz Yisrael. But the Batik Nesiyos, the shuls in Eretz Yisrael, will not help to make conditions that if it got destroyed, then you could use it for other things, just as long as it's not a disgraceful thing. Turning back to Sif Katan Lamed Aleph, in Mishas Binyan, I will achakach aloi mahani tenai klal. But afterwards, a tenai does not work at all. In other words, once you build it, you can't say retroactively, oh, I meant to make this shul with a tenai, with a condition, that if something would happen to it, the kedusha would not be there anymore. You can't do it after you build it. Hisnu love. You make a tenai. You have to explicitly make a tenai. But if a shoe was made and it wasn't explicitly intended and, and, and said you're making it with a tenai, we don't assume, oh, it was made with a tenai, with the tenai with the condition. That's the Magnavra, not like the Masas Binyamin. The Masas Binyamin wants to say, no, it is made with a implicit understanding that there's a Tanai built in of El Yerabim inside the Ladino, Kimasas Binyamin, Shemekel was there. So, the El Yerabim passes like the Masas Binyamin that is more lenient, that if a shoe was built and you're not sure was, was there a Tanai you consume, yeah, there was a Tanai made. What does it mean? Bechobane Perish, Oise Tanai, Moya Shalachai Sheikhorev, that Tanai, that condition helps that after that shoe was destroyed, you're allowed to use it for different things, obviously not for a disgraceful thing. 
Our kozman shekayemis ain't tenai moil. But if it's, if it's in existence, if it's around, then the tenai does not help. So if the shul is still functioning, it doesn't help. It's only for eating and drinking. We're saying that the tenai will help. Or to go into it before the, for the, because of the sun or the rain. That's that's uh, a light-headed behavior, as we so learned earlier. So that the tonight will not help for those type of things. To go in it or to eat in it, if you're just to, to use it for its purpose, own your own benefit. He um, he says in Sharetzi in last line on the page, he says. Of course, you cannot make a tenai that you're going to use that shul and it could also be used for lightheaded behavior. So, he says like this. And this is very important. Let's say you go you go see a, you go on a tour and you see shuls that used to be shuls and was destroyed. And and you're going on a tour and you're, and you're making jokes over there. The same way you can't make the joke in the shul if the shul was built. We're talking now in Eretz Israel, right? You can't make the jokes in that shul after it's been destroyed. Right? You have to have that mighty mikdash status, that fear of the mikdash applies even when you when when you go into that shul in Eretz Israel if, if it was destroyed. And you have you have things like this. You go to different places. Okay. But other for other purposes, tonight will help. Last line, he says, All the things we'll see later on in Simin, which is also a disgraceful uh, type of Tashmish. We will stop here by Sifkat Lamed Bav and learn some Pelayoids on the importance of saying Amen.